0: Welcome to Life from America podcast with Noam Dorman and Hatem Gab right here from the comedy cellar in New York City. And we have the best lineup ever. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I loved it. This is, I called you guys because I need friends and this week after all the attacks that happened. Uh, we have. I
1: was sitting at the Olive Tree and he said, do you want to come upstairs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just so okay. you know, it was Okay, we had one empty chair. Damn it. <laughs> But uh, I was actually talking about Clint, but, um, yeah. I'm just happy
2: to hear him call them a tax, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, nice.
0: Ugh, these are the Jewish <laughs> portion of the show. Uh, so, uh, we have the friend of the show, and um, even no, a very smart guy, and I love his opinion all the time. That's why we love to have him all the time. Mr. Clint Watts, he's a former FBI agent and analyst, analyst right now in NBC, right? Yes. Uh, and he is, of course, very famous for all the... Uh, for the Congress testimonies, uh, for the Russian thing with uh, Trump, so we'll come back. And to he the coined show. a
2: viral phrase: "Follow the trail of dead Russians." Right. He that's did. We were just, right. just right. talking about it. New, and new clothing
3: line.
0: They're gonna <laughs> do a new uh, <laughs> shirt line. <laughs>
3: that's right. Fragrances. <laughs> yes, follow, that's right? <laughs> 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 what always. You should, you should have, yeah. Moves to fragrances.
0: Yeah, so. you should do the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of course, uh... comedian Tony Darrow, um, who's originally, um, I believe, is. Uh, arab muslim or he's gonna convert one day
4: <laughs> <laughs> how do you convert to arab
0: uh to convert to islam you yeah, get circumcised
4: uh, uh, are you circumcised of course i'm circumcised yeah and i told you the first time i knew of, that people weren't circumcised oh, yeah. when i watched when i looked at a british porn magazine i'm like what the hell <laughs> f- is that
1: what's <laughs>
0: wrong with that guy oh and of course comedian modi a friend of show he's here all the time i'm circumcised trump supporter and circumcised and Deep was here as well. Thank you so much. Not circumcised. Not circumcised. Thank yeah. you. Circumcised. I think we share so much. You know, so,
3: we call that diversity. Sure.
0: <laughs> That's right. Hmm. You know, so it's really, it's really crazy. Like whenever we're trying to, you know, I'm thinking about a theme of the show, uh, and I email Noam, and he doesn't get back to me, and then I think, what should we talk about this week? You, there's really nothing we can, you know, plan, because it's been, and it's not, I'm not attacking Trump, but it's been crazy. Like literally every week, like there's something new. Like I was just reading an article that the the reality
1: shows that I'm sorry that the TV shows that are like about the president like House of Cards is back on and all that they said they had to rewrite the stuff because the real
2: reality stuff is like you know the real it's crazier it's
1: crazier than the show is absolutely really.
2: Yes, there was somebody in the Trump administration pushed Zoe Barnes in front of an, o- an oncoming train. And well, then,
4: Hillary did, did and kill the, Vince Foster, right? Yeah, and and then, and then <laughs> Melania
2: was having a, a lesbian affair with a, or whatever. The, the president was having a homosexual. Come on.
0: Anyway, go ahead. House yeah. of Cards is still. More out there politically
3: than... crazy, but socially not near as crazy. As yeah, people. okay, uh, fair enough. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you never know. You know, you never know. It's
2: only no, what... I came out a little strong there, right? I'm sorry about that. I, 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 I just saw someone read, for, I read something that out at you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one came out strong. No, Listen,
2: I'm dying to hear what Clint's going to tell us about the Russia hearings and the Comey hearings. Come on, <laughs> come did on. you
0: read
4: the
3: transcript today? his letter. Yeah. 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 So he said he so sent so well a seven
0: done. page letter. Yeah. Yeah, it's
3: really good. What do you yeah. think
0: why why do you think he sent that I mean, letter first?
3: In a very nerd sort of fashion. Like oh. you get really excited about that. I think if you've been <laughs> in government, when you read that, you're like, ooh. Oh this right. guy was ready. I mean, he was ready from the start. He knew exactly what to do when these things were starting to happen to him. And you they know, started to happen right away. Oh, uh, before he was inaugurated. Yeah. You know, I I th- I think I was just taking some notes earlier. It was early January. They went to brief him about the Steele dossier, about the right. crazy stories. Just, and the reason they were letting him know that was so that he can protect himself. Really, that's what they were doing. He's already the president. You know, he's going to be the president. So they're saying, look, you know, whether this happened or not, you need to inoculate inoculate yourself against this. You know, over time. And so it's it's fascinating how Comey thought from the very beginning, and I think a lot of these guys have. Uh, Rogers and Coates today didn't talk, but it seems like they know things and they have things documented somewhere. Um, the Washington Post story last night that Pompeo and Coates were brought aside by Trump uh, to sort of pressure Comey is very damning, and that's his two appointees. Trump picked those two mm. people. And when you read through you know, the open testimony and then you look at sort of Trump's uh, grandiose claims on Twitter... Uh, it's going to be trouble for the president. I mean, he he is now looking at a FBI director, former DOJ, you know, senior member, longtime lawyer who has documented everything that happened in in near real time. You know, right after it happened. But so what? I mean, so exactly. what is what? Everything that's yeah.
4: going to unless something comes out that's a bombshell. Every this is all out already. <clears throat>
3: Right, uh, what what I think it it's going to be is what is Trump's move, and I don't know if you heard uh, uh, his lawyer Speaker today. Ryan actually uh, tonight on television it was the first time I saw him back away from Trump, uh, and would not really come to his defense. Um, what's going to get Trump is not Russia connections, I, and you guys have heard me on this I think months ago talk about that. You know, he he doesn't fit in the real category of collusion, but the problem is his. Emotional reaction to how this whole situation's gone down has put him in the most danger of anything. he He will ultimately fall for the obstruction slash uh, outrageous behavior you know based on people testifying on television. and um,
2: wait the two the two guys who were on today it was Coates who was uh, the head bald of, guy what what, what the it mar- was
3: four uh, four people were on today. so it was uh, Rosenstein who is the uh, the new deputy attorney general that had on. He wrote on. the letter. He wrote the letter, and, I mean, the more I watch this, the more it seems like he kind of got set up into that situation. It was his first week on the job. I'm sure what tends to happen in government is they'll go to somebody like Rosenstein, and Trump or Sessions might have done this, and said, hey, what would be the justifications for letting the FBI director go? And you would write that up, and that was really thin. What he wrote is based on, uh, you know, newspaper articles. Uh, normally, when you see a letter from an attorney like that in the DOJ, they would c- cite the U.S. Attorney's Manual. That's that's kind of their bread and butter, and it would look like a very legal document. And I think for lawyers and longtime DOJ people, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter, when they saw that letter, you're like, man, this doesn't seem like something to be written as a justification for firing somebody.
2: Well, uh, let's can we hold aside the issue of whether Comey should have been should have well, been fired White or not. We know
3: Trump was fired, Trump admitted
4: why
2: Trump no, no, was no, no. fired. Uh, there's 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 why Trump fired him is one question, the other question is did he deserve to be fired right. in a you know in a kind of an objective way. And I and I have some thoughts about that, but but let's just get through the cast of characters. So it was uh that was Rosenstein, yep. Joe, DNI Coates. DNI DNI which is department what is it? The the director of National director Intelligence. Director of National Intelligence. Right. And he's the one who said that he never felt pressured to do anything immoral or illegal.
3: No, that was Admiral Rogers, head of NSA. They
2: both, but then he, then he. But Coates sort
3: of echoed it. Yeah. yeah, he was the second one, and then. So uh,
2: now, but now, when you when you hear him say that, you believe him?
3: It sounded like two people that are still in office, you know, still performing their functions, who did not want to talk about it in public. Um, when I heard their comments and that they would address them in a closed setting, Coach said that. The other guy didn't say that. Rogers didn't say that. But what'll ultimately end up happening is they're going to come to Rogers and say, "Did you document this? Did you talk to anybody else about it?" And and they'll circle up on it. Um, <clears throat> Rogers is going to play very very close to the chest because we should remember he is still in the military. He's in a different position than the other people there. Mm-hmm. And as an admiral, uh, longtime, you know, military leader, he's going to try and stay out of the political fight. And I think that's what you heard him saying today, mm-hmm. which was, you know, yes, I received a call. I'm not going to characterize the nature of that call. That's going to be different from the other people that were up there, I think. think what today. about
4: uh, the thing about... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Who is the
2: fourth guy?
3: Uh McCabe, the acting FBI director
2: and what did he say i didn't hear
3: well, he didn't address it. He said that you know anything that I would talk about is going to be part of- uh, direct, you know former director Mueller's special investigation, so he sort of pushed it away because it could be later used in a criminal you know implication, plus he was also the deputy you know he's the deputy director at the time that this happened, so the conversations weren't with him, so the other people there you know, had direct conversations with the president. McCabe didn't. He was, he was removed.
2: So, so the things that come to mind as I'm watching this, and, and you know, you can use it as something to talk about. The first thing is, I ask myself, assuming the worst, assuming that, that Trump was obstructing justice or he was really trying to cover up something, disloyalty to the United States of America, how many of these lifelong patriots are going to come out there and, you know, be coy about blowing the whistle on this guy who they certainly can't respect or like and so don't want to see their whole life career just go down in the toilet to try to cover for this jackass i just feel like whenever i just feel like they, they must be telling the truth because what they would blow the whistle on him
3: uh they came later uh i think that's part of it so you know these were conversations that came later to pressure comey so they're one-off instances the difference between them and Comey is Comey was a pattern, you know. Is he very well documents like these are the multiple times the president talked to me about this. Uh,
2: okay, so that's one
3: distinction. I think the other thing oh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I think the other go, thing is they're still serving. Uh-huh. Um, the third thing is they're going to use the Mueller investigation as cover. Uh, the, they're going to let Mueller be the one to sort of take these things on, and when their statements ultimately come out, I think that's where they'll serve.
2: Yeah, as. but then then these statements today are going to be used to to, to impeach the credibility of the statements to Mueller, because, well, what do you mean you said that? You just said in, in, in front of the cameras, you said the opposite. so then it
3: uh, Yeah, I think they'll let the judgment fall to Mueller, and they'll provide the data. I, and that's the typical way to do it inside government. The, you know, Roger's going to say, I had one, let's say, I have one conversation with the president. I didn't understand it to be obstruction, because I don't know what the FBI is doing. Right. Uh, it, you know, uh, they'll go to Coates, and Coates will say, I had been on the job one week. And so when he talked to me about it, I didn't understand the context of it or whatever. They're going to push it as data points to that other investigation.
2: So this is, I'm almost there. so then, Comey says that Trump said, "Can I count on your loyalty?" Now I don't know what that means. I know Trump is said to be a guy who's obsessed with loyalty. Yeah. So in a kind of. Uh, uh, CEO type of ways. Like, can I count on you being, you know, part of the team, right. having my back, which is, which is not appropriate to say a, to an FBI a CEO director.
3: mobster cutaway. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, the language in it, which I, I absolutely believe because it's consistent with his other language was odd. Yeah, yeah,
2: but, but it's no more odd than, uh, you know, anything he's ever said. Well, what about
4: him asking Jeff Sessions to leave, mm-hmm. uh, so he can talk to Call Me Alone? Is that standard operating mm-hmm. procedure?
3: So, that's what Americans should understand. In the government, the FBI director always stands distant from the president. Uh, and but Trump doesn't know that. Trump doesn't know that. He's but, a president. He have advisors. But he was being warned, and, He's and, and Sessions knew that. And, and so when I read the document, the stuff in terms of the engagements with Trump uh, are consistent with what we've seen in the newspapers. But what I thought was most damaging was actually to Sessions, who Comey essentially went to and said, you do not leave me alone in the room with the president anymore. I think for Sessions, it's like, you look at him as the attorney general, you're like, why Why would you ever let this come up again? Or, you know, he was essentially given a subtle warning to the attorney general, like, I'll never be alone in a room again with the president. You need to take care of this. The other thing that happened was in the later engagements in March and April, he notified the deputy attorney general and said, this is what just happened to me. I just had a phone call with the president. I expect you to do something with this, and that's where. Okay,
2: but this is what all these other
3: I was getting to. But
2: in the Comey you know. thing, uh, he he acknowledged that he told Trump that Trump was not the target of an investigation. Now this is interesting to me for a few reasons. First of all, because yet again, uh, and this what was the other example of it where the reporting was a hundred percent wrong. Anyway, they reported that Comey had had. Denied that, some, some news report. It turns out Trump was telling the truth that Comey told him he was not the target of investigation. So now...
3: Yeah, at certain now, periods. Right, you
2: know. So now, so now uh, if uh, I'm the President of the United States and I have my agenda and my whole administration is under a cloud, paralyzed, uh, it, it, it threatens to upend all my goals and dreams for what I want to do for the country. And the director of the FBI has actually told me, I'm not even the target of this investigation. So I start appealing to these guys, hey, can you do something here? Can you please get this off of me? Or, or can you at least go public and tell people that I'm not the target of the investigation? But that because doesn't this mean- is not
3: fair. No, he was obsessive about it. That's what doesn't make any sense. President- what,
2: I said just, what, <laughs> I, what I said doesn't seem to ring true to anybody?
3: No, I think, look, if you're the president and you don't have any Russia connections, And, you know, Trump even said, oh, if there are people, associates, distant satellites or whatever the terminology is used, go after him. I think the FBI director would be like, yeah, that's what we're going to do because that's my job. And he also said,
4: I only speak for myself. He said that recently. yeah,
3: Yeah. And so let it go. I mean, if anybody... Mature enough to be the president and be in charge. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a cheap no, no. shot. No,
2: you're, cha- now you're, it. Now you're no. What, what but I'm saying, yeah, I agree. He should let it go. If but he's not capable, if you've of that. got oh, nothing yeah. to do
3: with it, you let it go. This no, would be a Russia. Trump. This, yeah, exactly. This would okay. be a Russia-only investigation to this point. It would ultimately prove that he was, you know, influenced by agents surrounding him in many different ways. At least four points, maybe more. And whether he knew it or not, he would have come out fine. Trump doesn't. But Trump, it's his, rea- that. It's his not, reaction well, to the, the situation. That this we is killed. a guy who can't even take the time to
2: spell counselor right in his tweet. He can't even. He got even worse. Like he, he, he sends nonsense words. He has zero impulse control. Very yeah. scary for a president.
3: I was on Morning Joe uh, yesterday morning, and in real time, he was listening to people on that panel and tweeting back at them. Oh, Joe shit. Scarborough <laughs> would read it, and then he would redirect There's it to the There's a panel.
4: bar in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. That's offering free drinks for every time uh, Trump tweets during uh, Comey's yeah. testimony. They're going to be out of business by Friday. This is what you people or have not. to decide.
1: Sometimes th- th- when, you know, he, when there was a thing during the uh, Hillary's thing that everybody's waiting for him to, uh, to tweet and the, he didn't. He knows. He, he's not that stupid.
4: It's oh, pretty, no. He's pretty stupid, though.
2: The guy has zero impulse control. I'm with you. And, no. and,
4: and, and he a, can't control uh, it at times. And it's, he's
2: an imbecile, right? But it makes it much. interesting. You also you want so we believe that, yes. but we also want to believe that he's got some kind sort of master criminal enterprise plan, <laughs> that, and it's so and it's so cleverly no. concealed that even no. after a year, no one's been able to find no. a smoking gun. Who's no. saying
4: a master? What criminal I'm saying enterprise? that Trump that was involved.
2: Pooped. If Trump was involved in, in in like criminal activities with Russians. What are the odds that this would not be known already? This guy is incapable of, yeah. of keeping anything Correct. a secret, to, to sure. my, in my opinion.
0: Correct. All right, so last question before we have to do the Skype call. Uh, uh, they mentioned something about possibility of videotapes. That Have you heard that today? That Trump might
3: be recording, actually, the conversation. I've heard this, and that would literally be one of the top three dumbest things a president has ever done. Yeah. I mean, you don't come out of Nixon and tape anything. That's what brought Nixon down. I mean, it's the dumbest thing you no, do. Nixon, and,
2: Nixon didn't get brought down because he taped. Right. Nixon got brought down because what he said on the
3: tapes. Right. <laughs> that, exactly. No,
2: that's what it'll come down. If, yeah. if these tapes show Comey out to be a liar, oh, it'll be the smartest won't. thing Trump ever like, did uh, yeah, well, that's, that's what that, they said. I mean, that, it, will, a, it will yeah.
3: backfire on Trump. I mean, Trump isn't even consistent in his own... He doesn't even know what he says. Yeah. You know, he doesn't remember what he says. He tweets at random volumes about things when he's emotional and then denies them later. I mean, few people have ever turned their back so quickly on so many issues yeah, as president. I mean, yeah. And so uh, Comey is going to be very, very close, you know, to everything he said. I, I don't know if you picked up on it, but he noted in his in his written testimony that he actually came out of a meeting... And started typing up his yeah. notes oh, on yeah. a laptop in the car yeah. after it happened. The first yeah, like, meeting, yeah. <clears throat>
0: this is funny. <clears throat> which just... means
3: he was hair raised <laughs> on his head that this guy is asking me to do that. I cannot believe this just happened to me. I've got to write this down right away. You know, so that's funny. I think that's ultimately the problem, you know, beyond this. Okay. Let, and what were all, let's, the, let's what say were all nothing the meetings happens.
4: about? What were all the meetings yeah. about? Yeah. 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 So if let's not, say nothing
3: happens, but just one point on Trump. He's this emotional about watching Comey on television and getting upset. How do you introduce discussions to this president about foreign policy decisions when it comes down? And this happens quite often. Hasn't happened yet. Thank God. Uh, You know, sir, Mr. President, this is what we have going down in this country right now. We've got 50 American soldiers that are isolated. Uh, Our options are the following. What should we do? He will then turn to all the aides and they will. he will say to them, what do you think I should do? Right. And now the aides, instead of being like, this is what my best recommendation is, are now saying, if I tell this to the president, how is he going to use this against me later if this goes wrong? You know, is he going to take ownership of his decisions? That's what my employees do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and I have to say, any, rep- any president before this, you know, Republican or Democrat, uh, I've never seen them. Avoid that responsibility. I, you know, I, I've never felt like they have uh, wantonly dodged responsibility for their decisions in those moments of crisis. And not with this president,
1: but, I have but, zero but, confidence but, in him to but, do the right thing. But if he does say to his aides, "This is this situation. What should I do?" Right. And he says, "Plan A." Here's Plan A, and he goes, "Okay, we're well, going to go with Plan A." And then this has already happened. This has already
3: happened. The Yemen raid. Yeah. Yemen raid went down. He turned right over and he goes, oh, I did it because my general told me to. You know, I didn't know it was... Right. Good yeah, he, he need to take but, but then the general should be
1: making sure he's giving him good advice.
3: Yeah. Well, they, they do, but... It's, it's advice. The, so he's making the decision.
4: Right.
1: So we, we'll, we'll, okay, we'll but get back. Exactly. General, but the, oh, right. He's making the... He, he yeah. had to choose which one, yeah, which general. Yeah. So each he's general has advised. to be accountable for but what he's doing. But
3: sometimes you go in with those assessments and you say you know what, I think the chances this goes well is about 55%. They actually do this. I don't know if you looked at the assessment for the bin Laden rate. It was less than 50% yeah, when literally. that decision was made. For that specific one. For that specific okay. rate. And so you go in and you go, I think we should do it, but the chances are this could go bad. But if it goes right, it could be the home run that we need. The bin Laden raid is a recent example. Well, there's been many like that. Yeah. And so you give that you know, to this president. Now, if you're a leader in the U.S. government, I would go in there being like, Do I want, even if I give an honest assessment, do I, am I prepared for how this might be used against me or how it might turn on me? And I think it would shape my decision-making process about what I recommend. Instead of going in with an honest recommendation, I'm going to start caveating things or maybe sidestepping things and saying, "Mm, you know what, Mr. President, Um, I don't know. I don't have many thoughts on this one. I think this one's up to you, you know. This creates a very adversarial I, I, dynamic. I don't agree. No, we actually got to go to the we'll, we'll come. We'll okay. come back to that. But I think more people are going
0: to write books that work for Trump than the O.J. trial. I, I have a question. Yeah, a lot of people. Right.
4: Yeah. Very
0: so, soon. Uh, yeah. So we will. Um, we'll have Dr. Craig Constantine. Uh, he's a Catholic American, and he currently serves as a faculty member of the Department of Sociology, Rice University. Here we go. So you guys can get all your hate against oh, the like before. Oh huh. Hello. Hi Dr. Consiglan. Hey. How you doing?
5: Doing well guys. How are you?
0: Thank you very much for being here. Sorry for being late. Uh we have uh, Mr. Clint Watts, former FBI agent right here with us, Noam Dorman, the father of Benjamin.
5: Noam, congratulations he's, by the way.
0: Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Yeah. And comedians Tony Dara and Modi and Deepo.
5: Can you see us? I can, can you yeah. See you? Yeah, oh, hi. Wow. Hey.
3: Can we make it so he can't see us? So it's, so it's more complicated.
5: <laughs>
3: How you doing guess, today? Yes,
5: camera? doing well. Just hanging out um, down here in Texas. Oh, uh, great.
0: Yeah. So, uh, my first question is like all the, all the, terrorist attack going on in London and all that. Now, like, what do you see this going? Uh, do you see like there's more attacks gonna happen soon or? You sound like Ali G. But go ahead. Go
5: ahead. Yeah. <laughs> like this like we, we can't I hate norm. We can't expect these attacks to stop happening until something happens abroad, uh, overseas, in the Middle East, and other countries that the United States and its allies are engaged in. You know, like it's kind of this this back and forth, uh, vicious cycle of of violence that we're seeing. So unfortunately we're in this realm really where it's like a tit for tat. You know, the United States drops bombs or its allies drops bombs and kills civilians. ISIS and its sympathizers get ticked off and you have people running around unfortunately in cities like London doing the same thing back. So, to be, to be fair, no, I actually don't. I don't see the attacks stopping uh, until something fundamentally changes, big picture, uh, in terms of you know, the, the, the global picture of all this.
0: But don't you see, like, it's like... Kind of, I'm sorry, that was an attack on me. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't you see that there, there's, like, it's a desperate attacks right now with knives and stuff like that? They just want to... Like, they have no means, no planning, nothing. They, it seems like they're just telling them, okay, go.
5: Right. So we have to also remember, right? The United States is a nuclear armed country. We have the most powerful military ever to walk the face of the earth. And ISIS is not even close to being anything like that, right? They are desperate. They are scavenging for any means necessary to freak us out, to freak the world out, uh, to be dramatic and to be drastic. So we have to keep – we also need to you know, be realistic here, uh, not saying that ISIS doesn't pose a threat, but this is like a – it's a gang. It's a gang of, of young men and a lot of, I guess, some women as well. But we, we have to understand the scale here. You know, like the United States is a nuclear-armed country. Uh, you know, how big of a threat is ISIS really going to pose? Uh, even in the Middle East, in well, well, Syria and Iraq, where their land is. Yeah, but you're I talking mean, about
4: ISIS. Uh, uh, I mean, these guys aren't. They don't like you know uh, join the club and do the training and all this other stuff. People are are I'll say acting out, which is a bad term, and then ISIS is taking credit for it. But they're not. They're not official members of ISIS. And when you're creating a situation, let's face it, the invasion of Iraq is is was, was such a disaster. It it totally. It destroyed Syria, and now it's destroying Europe uh, because of all the refugees. I mean, you have sixty thousand refugees in Greece at the old Greece airport, and there is no plan to do anything with six. And there's going to be more. If there are going to be more refugees. But if you don't do anything with sixty thousand people, if they have no jobs, what no, caused the
2: invasion of Iraq or the withdrawal from Iraq?
4: No, the invasion of Iraq.
2: I mean, I don't. And I the don't.
4: surge, the surge, the surge is what financed ISIS.
5: Go ahead. I'm, I don't. I'm, we can't give ISIS too much credit. ISIS is not destroying Europe. Like, London, Londoners are not going to allow ISIS to defeat it. Again, talking about...
2: Can I cut in on what you're saying? Because you're yeah. touching on something that's, that really has bothered me, and I think you're alluding to, like Obama said, well, this is not an existential threat. I think that's kind of what you're describing, is the argument, this is not an existential threat. No. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth. That's why I'm
5: pausing. To... It, an existential threat. Well, no, you saying I, we're
2: nuclear powered, and they're just a gang, and I mean, because I, I mean, the whole point of terrorism is it's an asymmetrical thing. When, when I'm, you know, I have children, and if they want to go see a concert at the garden, I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm going to send my kids to a concert at the garden right now. That's pretty damn serious. When, when. In Vienna, they can't go to the symphony anymore. Uh, this is a a a a, back, a rolling back of Western civilization and the way we want to live. And, and yes, and, it's and not caused an ex-
4: by Western civilization.
2: And yes, it's not an existential threat. Nor was Pearl Harbor an existential threat. Nor was 9/11 an existential. Threat. And the Soviet Union, the Cold War, was an existential threat. And then the fact that it was an existential threat was also used as an argument. For us not to do anything because it was too risky to do anything against an existential threat, and I think that you know everybody is just minimizing how serious this is to the everyday lives of everybody, even if it's an irrational fear that it causes. But that's human beings; they're they're not going to size up the odds perfectly. They're just going to change their life because they're human and change I mean, the way they behave. This is all much more serious than I hear anybody. Most people. It's, it's, are, are underselling listen, I mean one more thing. If there were white people once a week or once a month killing seven or eight black people because they were black in Europe you would hear a lot of blunt talk about white people in this
4: world. What, you, you're uh,
2: hearing a toned down, watered oh, down, they, caref- very, very careful. Did they didn't discussion kill any Muslims?
4: I don't know who they I'm killed. I'm saying
2: is that because it's Islam, and I'm I'm not trying to bash Islam. Everybody is speaking <laughs> so carefully. I think they're actually minimizing any frank talk about the threat. Where if it was a real, if it was like a, if it was the clan, or 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 if the victims were righteous victims, that we didn't feel kind of caused
5: it, or whatever it is.
2: You would see people speaking a lot more practically about how terrible this is and how it's changing
4: our lives. I um, go ahead.
5: The individuals go, ahead, about go, ahead. You know, go back to the 70s and 80s in the UK yeah. Yeah. when the IRA was doing their thing around all these British cities and they were blowing stuff up and you know, it was taken very seriously as ISIS, as ISIS should be taken seriously now. But you know like, that is a, a decent comparison in terms of the immediate threat that ISIS is posing to the United Kingdom right now. Uh, you know, small-scale bombings, desperate, as Hatem was was noting, going around making these, these dirty bombs, you know, and, and the UK got through that, so let's, I, I think we need to raise...
2: But they had demands. About- they could negotiate a settlement. ISIS has no demands.
5: That's true, but I also think we can't give in and 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 say right, like you know, ISIS is changing our way of life. That's that's not the case, you know. Like London is going to go
1: on, not changing, changed, changed. Of course,
2: of course you can't. How many more of these? You can't have these attacks every few weeks or so without changing the total nature of what it means to live in a free society. And here, listen, look, was it Theresa May? Is that her name? She's already talking about wanting to. Uh, get serious about uh, cyber uh, surveillance and all that stuff.
4: So that's always been a big
2: First of all, that's impossible. It can't be done. But let's say, let's say it could be done. We're going to shred our civil liberties. Are we gonna, right. th- th- that's not changing our way of life? Have the government now monitoring every single thing we say online? I mean, there's no end. We live in a cyber time where I'm not even sure ISIS ever has to have a meeting again. It can be a total worldwide desktop gang. Yeah, that that meets in videos, and videos on like I'm meeting with you, why can't there be 30 guys we have an ISIS meeting? We don't need to, and we don't need land, we don't need to, we c- they can chase us out of Syria, and we can go on. We're about to become the majority religion in the, in the world, and, and let's say 3% of the majority religion in the world is, is sympathetic to this kind of radicalism. And they all have computers, and they can all... I mean, this is scary. like I'm spinning out this doomsday scenario. I don't see, and they have no demands. It's not like we can even appease them. What can we do to, like, we can't even Destroy let them take them.
0: Czechoslovakia. What can we do? And by them, you mean ISIS, just to be yeah. sure. Yeah, I, 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 I,
1: if I may,
2: some, some situation I'm, not a, I'm not
1: an FBI agent. I'm not a doctor. Of, I'm not sure exactly what he's what, a doctor, but they, they're now on the right path. If you saw what's going on in London the the attackers they've taken in their family they've taken in the family right yep. they they've taken them in i said years ago israel had um, you know when somebody attacked israel go. what no i said here we go no, Israel, no,
2: When Israel, Hatem hates Israel. They have
0: to bring it. Israel to every conversation, doctor. That's why. That's yeah. what we do. We Jews. What is this country? I've never heard of it here. I've, I've no, never been when a, when Israel, when is Israel, Israel, I really believe that the, the, the solution Make sure to this you thing. can talk about the Holocaust. Is, go,
1: ahead, go ahead. No, no. So the, so six million. No, but um, <laughs> no, but you know, Israel used to when the, an attacker came to blow himself up in Israel, they would go. And they would destroy his whole house, the whole family, Yeah, yeah. the whole family. Then we got the video of people taking this and that, so you, you can't do it because right. it looks really bad when soldiers show up yeah. and destroy them. Yeah. It's pretty harsh. But, but yeah. the, 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 the attacks went down because people said, hey, our sons radicalized. They said, don't do anything because we like our house. Now they're pulling in the families, and that's. I think they should be as soon as. What do you mean blew, pulling in the families? What does that mean? They took them in. They took them and in. arrested them. Oh, took they, them into custody. Said, how do you? Well, what what do you mean? Did you not see the signs? I had a baby them? last week. I haven't watching. I don't mean you, but like they've been the, to, to the family. Like, they said that your son was here and there and there and there, and you knew that, and you didn't advise anybody. Israel is
0: actually do certain actually thing. that's not true, right, doctor?
5: A doctor. There was some news that leaked today. One of the individuals that was responsible yep. for the London Bridge, right? So his name, his last name is Butt. He is a, he was born in Pakistan, but he grew up in London uh, or, or somewhere in, in the UK. His brother yep. went yep. to the UK government and reported his brother's radical absolutely, views. Absolutely, and absolutely. the UK government rightly decided to take on this brother and say, we want you to work with us to prevent these things from happening. And he became, the brother became some part of, some organization like this counter-radicalization.
1: Exactly. So, exactly.
5: I mean, you, you have there, – there's documentation that Muslims are actually reporting the bad apples in their community. Yeah. And th- there's a political correctness issue that's going on in the U.K. right now where the government knows that there are radical people, but what do they do? Because if they take action – then it seems like the UK government is inherently Islamophobic. So it's a real conundrum. Well, you that can't. You, that's what I was
2: saying before. You can't. You actually can't do anything unless you're ready to shred civil liberties. You can't start taking people into custody because somebody says, you know, I think he's been saying things. I mean, you, uh, so, where does that end? This, so, this is so, why it's it's way more serious than than I think you guys want to realize. And then the other thing no, that, the other
5: way i agree with but you. Let Clint, me say one more
2: thing. The other thing that comes to mind, and then Clint would know more about this. Would you stop drawing dirty pictures? Clint would know more about this. Every, so many times, not every time, but so many times that one of these guys does something, it turns out they, we had them on, they were on our radar. On our radar, yeah. yeah. And I thought about that. I said, what does that mean? It seems, it, it could mean that there's so many people on the radar.
3: Yeah, Europe's radar looks like a thunderstorm. That, I mean, it's uh, almost
2: meaningless to have them on the radar. It's like it's so obvious, like the last chapter in a mystery novel. You look backwards, oh, it's clear he was the killer. Like you see it all along. Right, but the, reading the book forward, you have no idea who but the killer is. This mother knew where he that's, was. That's what this it's like to be knew, an intelligence officer. his mother knew where he was.
1: She knew all the trips he
2: took. But I'm saying that they probably had a thousand people who fit that storyline on, on, in their
5: files, More and they, can't, I, assign. I they
2: think, can't assign they can't assign an agent so? to you every single guy. So? Yeah.
5: I honestly, going back to your point, I think the bigger threat that faces the United States and European countries is the loss of civil liberties, not necessarily the physical threat that this organization and people that sympathize with it actually pose. I think the real threat is when you say this is so out of control and we have to do something that you actually change your way of life to – Deal with this with this issue. I
4: think that well, well, the first thing you could do is the first thing you could do is not create an environment where you're giving them more of a a a larger pool to draw from. I have an idea. Let's get a time machine. Not a time machine. We are where we are. Right. Right now, you have people that are fleeing Syria, fleeing Iraq, and we have to worry about them. And some of them might be terrorists, but most of them aren't (laughs) because we, we, we don't want a bigger pool to choose from for terrorist activities. And you're creating it all over we're cre- Europe. That's I hate creating that argument it. too. What
2: do you, that. Oh, are we creating that. terrorists? I was with you till then. Are we creating terrorists, doctor?
5: Statistics. Like, Let's deal with some facts right now. Like, No refugee or asylum seeker in the history of the United States from any of the seven countries that were on Donald Trump's Muslim ban have ever committed an act of terrorism. Most of the acts of terrorism that are committed in this country are homegrown terrorists. What do you mean? How do People you mean that, that grew up people that grew up in our society. So it's not necessarily the Muslim there's first, not the, first generation. Second generation. So their their parents were from a a so-called Muslim majority country. Yeah, I,
2: I think that's first generation. But okay, whatever. Think yeah. about that.
5: Like yeah. what is what is within our society that is leading people to commit these 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 acts? How do young men who grew up in the same communities and the same schools that we went to, how do they go so astray? It's not Maybe, maybe it's acts. not
2: our society at fault. Maybe it is the, the indoctrination that's taking place online th- throughout yeah. the world. Maybe our, socii- sure. may our, maybe our society can't even affect it.
5: For certain. That's, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, the indoctrination is, is absolutely real. And we have not it, yet
2: come to grips with what the cyber world means. It, it, time and place, or, or geography, it, it, it doesn't mean the same thing anymore.
0: That, that's correct. Do, doctor, I want to ask you something now. It, it seems like it's the same over and over and over. This is what happens. A terror attack happens. Um, everybody attacks Islam. Muslim comes out and is like, they we have nothing to do with it. Uh, this is not the real Islam. And then it happens again and again. So my question is, A, what Muslims should do to, you know, to change that? I mean, to uh, it seems like nobody cares. And it, is it really, I mean, in your opinion... Islam is behind this, as, a, re- as you know, a religion?
5: No, not as a whole, because Islam isn't a monolith, right? So you have, just like Christianity in this country, you have Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Evangelicals, so on. So Islam is not to blame, but that's not to say that Islam doesn't play a role. Obviously, Islam does play a role, because these human beings are saying that they're acting on behalf of, of their religion. Mm-hmm. So yes, Islam has a role, but it's, it's a fraction of it. I mean, it's a very specific ideology that has a history, that has connections via social media that we've already addressed.
2: In I
5: want to amplify on your question. Yeah.
2: Let's say that, let's say this religion, in terms
5: this, of, go ahead. In terms of what Muslims exactly. can do yeah. In, in, yeah. in the United States is to do everything that they are doing, which is working with intelligence agencies which they're doing, reporting people that are considered to be potential. But we, uh, we,
0: what about the regular Muslim? Like, 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 I'm sick of keep writing, like, even in Facebook or whatever. This right. we have nothing to do. We condone this. Like, it just, you know, it's the same over and over. What can a regular Muslim do
4: to to be heard? Until they join ISIS.
0: I, Until we get
5: activated, yeah. Until we get activated. I mean, I, I think. Social media can play a role in kind of this, this counter-narrative, this counter mm-hmm. but just be honest and share your opinion. Like, if, if you're seeing something that's happening around this country or the Muslim world that uh, is happening on behalf of, of so-called Muslims and Islam, just condemn it. Yeah, I mean, straight up condemn it. Take to social media and say, this is absolutely not reflective of the faith that I was, ra- that I was raised with.
1: But they uh, don't. They don't pop out like that. You don't see the imams running around. If the, the opposite, if this was a Jewish, if ISIS was a Jewish-based thing, you know, and it was uh, the rabbis would be going berserk. That, but, yeah. Would be going
4: berserk. Really? I don't so, remember when the JDL was hot. I, in I know the, it's, the 60s. I, know it's, I, know. I don't remember like the. just set
5: up? But, but it's like imams, imams. in this country are denouncing it. Yeah. and they regularly denounce it. And every single major Muslim civil rights organization and religious body in this country denounce it all the time. I, it's so I, well documented. Let me, let me ask you this then. Is it, Don't hear about it because the media doesn't, doesn't right. give voice Absolutely. to those. Let
2: members. me ask you this. Yes, sir. Is it possible that we are um, thinking about it in a sloppy way because of the term uh, Muslim or Islam? In other words... What if we just think about this as a murderous ideology that happens to also be Islamic? Mm-hmm. Like maybe the Nazis were also Christians. I don't know if they were. And, well, yeah, and, they
0: were, and and
2: so and and if it's just a murderous ideology which happens to be Islamic, it could not be Islamic. Whatever it is, but it exists. Uh, what do they give a shit if other? Muslims denounce it or like what? They don't. Why is that? It's it's not going to affect them. Why? why, That's some sort of zero impact. It's going to yeah. Isn't it going to have zero impact? And if (laughs) we think about it just as a as a discrete ideology which happens to talk about Islam, but it's really beside the point. It's more about the murder. Wouldn't we have way more latitude to take it on like we want to, without having to be so fucking careful of offending Islam?
5: That's a good point, and there's a term that I even use in my classes, like, that we, we have a tendency, and I say we, like Americans, Westerners, the world in general, to Islam-splain things, where a young Muslim does something, or anyone who is a Muslim and they do something, we tend to look at it through the, the prism of Islam, and I think, Noam, you make a good point. What if we actually take Islam out of it and look at this as like, right, this young man or young woman is willing to literally blow themselves up for an idea? that can happen within any religious tradition or any non-religious religion religion. right even no religion so what what contributes to an individual getting to a point in their life where they actually feel like blowing themselves up is a good idea that's a what is it a mental health issue I i mean mental mental health is it's not not to throw people with mental health issues under the bus here by any means that's not it but certainly issues pertaining to what is happening inside people's heads is a big part of this it's it's a massive part of it i mean it's suicide right so
2: so so then the final question i have and then i'll I'll shut up is is that if if nobody has any answers i mean everybody we're, we're trying to think but nobody really has any answers and if these attacks continue how long is it before reasonable people say listen nobody has any answers and i don't see this stopping there's only one answer I can think of, which is, stop letting these people in. And when does that become the rational person's alternative?
5: are not The people who are attacking us.
2: No, but I'm saying, if, if you took no Muslims into the country, you wouldn't have the first job. I'm, I'm speaking just, I'm not endorsing this. I'm speaking just, you know, it's like I used to make the joke before, like when the Samsung phones were blowing up. Well, eleven—it was eleven out of a million. Seventeen out of a million were blowing up. They recalled a million phones. If you get rid of all a million of them, you don't have the seventeen that blow up. When when does that logic brought to bear? I think that's a real risk. Eventually, people are going to get tired of being patient and say, "You know what? No more. That's the only way we can stop this."
5: But Noam, the, the Muslims who are who are entering this country as refugees and asylum seekers and immigrants are not the people who are attacking us. They're children. It's their children. Yeah. Yeah. Who, so, who, so, but who follow my logic? Society. So it has no, It has nothing to do with the countries that these people are coming from. It has something to do with our society. What is alienating these people? In our society. And, and,
0: and, and not only that. I'm not like advocating, is, I'm truly not, but, there, uh, but I have. But, but, but what percentage but there is about? But there's also, you, you have to, uh, If you, at the same sentence, when we say these people are uh, killing us or their sons or whatever, also some of their sons, more percentage, are fighting in our army, are working in the FBI, are yeah, uh, doing know, everything. I, I truly think everybody's missing my point. I'm saying no, no, that, no, I'm not, that I'm I saying, believe that this is eventually going
2: to be. A growing, it is. It's already growing, and at some point, it's going to reach a critical mass. People say, "Listen, we've waited, we've waited. I don't see any answers here." As a matter of fact, it's getting worse.
4: Uh, well, my opinion, well, as I said it before, foreign
2: policy. Let's stop it policy. until we have an answer. Well, we're foreign policy it
4: worse. Is, that's the whole point. Yeah. we making it worse. Instead Why is of making foreign it policy going to do
2: it in, in the Islamic world? Forget about the West. Yeah, there, ISIS, and, and well, all the various factions
0: are killing each other. Arab on Arab. Not killing each other. ISIS are killing the other people. ISIS is not the only terrorist group.
4: Well, what else?
5: ISIS kills more Muslims but than anybody. Yeah.
4: That's
2: right. Now, what does there be? You're so, talking they, about stuff bar, we can't control.
4: How about the stuff we can't control? Let's I, start
2: I'm, there. I'm of the opinion that the, we really can't control much of it.
5: <clears throat> well, well we can, you know, there's a lot that well, we can't control. Let the doctor
2: answer Mom, yeah. well,
5: Can I ask you uh, sure. a question? Um, what do we do with non-Muslim terrorists or threats who are in our midst, who are white, who grew up in this country as well, because the the data and the statistics are showing, and, and this is confirmed by pretty much every major intelligence agency and also some of these think tanks and organizations that the biggest threat to America in terms of terrorism is far right wing supremacists. So what, you know, not, not to say that the Muslim threat that we might call is isn't a big deal but what about the other edge you know like what about this other sphere like people like dylan roof and and james holmes and this guy in portland you know like what do we do because you know terrorism is not a muslim problem it's a problem that is it doesn't give a crap about religion and it doesn't give a crap about race it's found everywhere so we need a comprehensive strategy do we not
3: i don't know i, I don't i not I'm not not into the whole of government comprehensive strategies because I've worked on whole of government comprehensive strategies. It's mostly meetings where people come together and share PowerPoint decks and nothing happens afterwards. But in terms of the ISIS stuff, uh, what we're seeing is slow bleed out. Uh, There's two phenomenons that happen. One, you have foreign fighters that travel to these countries, Syria and Iraq in this case. You know, they come back. They either commit attacks or they inspire others around them to commit attacks. The other one is called, I call it bottled up, which is there's a group of young boys right now, predominantly, that wanted to travel to Syria and Iraq, and there's no caliphate for them to go to anymore. So they've been sitting at home. uh, They're amped up, and they're inspired in this online context, like Noam had mentioned. The, The number one thing that you do in these contexts is if you, you know, and I spent from 2002 all the way up basically up until a few months ago when I was dealing with Russians is uh, you know, if there's a, if there's anything I've learned is uh, you're not going to help them out of their situ- situation. Uh, I, I tried a lot of these alternative strategies to make people feel good, you know, so they can then not kill other people and they predominantly don't work. I mean, you have a, a group of people, once they travel to a foreign country, they fight in conflicts, they get training. Uh, they're angry Ah, uh, they're not going to de-escalate. It's kind of like we see in our prison populations, even. And so the only way to defeat ISIS is to kill ISIS. That's the number one thing we got to do. And we waited way too late in the Syria conflict. The other part w- with regards to refugees and the sort of spill-out effects, and that's still going and not on, creating
4: more terrorists by giving them no other options.
3: Right, and and the spillover effect that happens. The number one recruiter of a foreign fighter terrorist is a former foreign fighter terrorist. So. Every iteration we see, you know, double or more uh, foreign fighters. So you go back to Afghanistan in the 1980s, they were the spawn that produced Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, you know, last decade, they were the spawn that produced ISIS now. And ISIS will ultimately morph into something moving forward. And so we have more foreign fighters in more countries now than we've had ever before. And that's largely due to leaving these battlefields open uh, and not resolving the underlying dynamics. The number one thing we could do as a country right now, if, if we really wanted to deal with the ISIS problem, is to end the Syrian civil war. That's the number one thing. That solves your refugee problem that puts the stakes down about, okay, this is what you know the governance is going to look like, and let's all go after ISIS and kill them. That's part of our dynamic right now in the Middle East, is everybody's in it for something other than ISIS, except for the United States and Europe. We're all worried about it, but all these Middle Eastern countries are worried about something else first and ISIS later. And so, until we get that sort of sorted out, it'll kind of go on. The the good news in a very bad news situation is that last year during the Ramadan offensive, you remember we had the Brussels attack, uh, Paris attack. We had really really big attacks. When these were powered by foreign fighters coming out of Syria and Iraq, they were using explosive vests. They were hitting targets that they knew. They were doing it one day after another. We're seeing the same thing during this Ramadan offensive. However, they've got lower capability. And lower training. So they're doing, let's drive everybody over and jump out and try and stab them with knives. Okay, not good, but it's still not the Paris bombings, you know, and the assaults that we saw last year. This is going to happen again next year, and you're going to have this slow, you know, kind of steady bleed-out phenomenon. Maybe just because they're hungry. (laughs) <laughs> it could be but, but this isn't this isn't going to go away because what will happen you know over the next you know uh, usually we go into a lull this is kind of a trough if you're into economic markets this is very similar with terrorism you go into a trough now and there's this bleed out and there's going to be these foreign fighters drift back to their homelands and you're going to see areas crop up or, or spout up as hotspots. Philippines is one of them now Central Asia is another one and you're going to have spots in North Africa and so we will deal with this again uh, a go lot ahead. of. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead.
5: No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I can't hear anything. I think these are these are really good points. And it, it leads me to think, though, as well, um, you know, this the situation with the Muslim community at large in Europe is very different than what the overall picture here is in America. Mm-hmm. The Muslim communities in Europe. Uh, have a much lower socioeconomic status. They have a lot less opportunity, and they're a lot less I well off said, than we yeah, are here, yeah. right? So what what we're seeing is, you know, a lot a lot of these things that are happening in Europe, like Brussels and, and Paris and London, like all these guys who are doing this stuff, they're from those areas, right? And then they go to the, they go to the Middle East, as the gentleman said, and they come back, but like we we cannot necessarily compare our muslim community in this country to what is uh, to what we see in europe like these are totally different contexts not to say that these things can't happen in the united states but it's a lot different the muslim community here is is relatively integrated yeah. and they're yeah. they're they're uh, they're more educated than other religious groups right on uh, we, we, like,
0: we, like, we like the i7 like they like i6 I six. Six. What do you mean? Uh, yeah. iPhone. Well, uh,
2: let, let me ask you. This. I mean, I, I was actually <laughs> thinking. I was thinking just what you said before you said it, and if if integration is a key factor, and if uh, if you could measure like uh, patriotism, as it were, of a, of a first generation American Muslim as opposed to a first generation Parisian Muslim, on average, I think the American Muslim would feel more ties to America and feel more American, right?
5: I would, you know, I don't, I don't have any statistics, but I can tell you through my own research and and actually interviewing people. Yes, absolutely. And the reason why is because of our constitution and our way of life. We have a secular government, we have civil liberties, we have a constitution, um, and we have this history of being a immigrant host society. Europe has a history of being ethnic nations, so right. wouldn't wouldn't
2: one of the most is that the word palliative? Wouldn't one of the most healthy things that all of the West could have? Paleo is healthy. What, what would Paleo. be would be uh, some sort of national service? What Bill Clinton talked about? You get get all these young kids at at, at this uh, vulnerable age together for a year or two, put them in there together. Doesn't have to be fighting. You know, so, something so that, to try to indoctrinate, for lack of a better word, some sort of sense of pride in their Current country and in their current nationality, we want them to adopt a new nationality and this is a This is a phenomenon throughout uh, America and around the world now is that the Im- immigration are not quite adopting the new nationality as quickly and as eagerly as like my father 's generation did. My father wasn 't born here and in, and eighteen months later he was like America, 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 you know, and obviously these first generation Muslims here. They don't feel that way about America. Uh,
0: that's, not, that's not. true. Not <laughs> no. The, yeah, the ones, yeah. who are committing these, 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 atrocities. Yeah, which is what percentage? have percentage.
2: Signif- I think it's a significant percentage of young uh, Arabs don't feel. He doesn't like, agree
0: with the Like America.: Yeah, he doesn't agree with you. Nobody agrees you don't agree with
5: agree. him. Well, so, there, so, so. there are six thousand Muslims fighting uh, in the armed services right now. Yeah. Four thousand are active duty. Two thousand are non-active. There That's has a small no number. 1,000
0: for, for office in New York City. Right here. Of the
5: population. Muslims are, there are about 3 million Muslims in this country. 6,000 of them serve in the, the armed forces. There's never been a war that the United States have fought without a Muslim serving in the army. Look,
2: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to... I know, we, we know, I think we all, as, as decent and smart people, know that we're, we're not talking about... We're talking at about a percentage. 3%, 5%, 1%, but it's enough to do a lot of damage. I, I don't doubt that many, 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 the overwhelming majority of Muslims... I mean, I know them. I work with them. They, they, they love America and they feel American. But there is a... It's not just Muslims. Uh, my, I noticed it in my Mexican employees. There is just a different attitude... About don't you be, hire
4: anyone from this country?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, like, i asked Tony, uh, you know Tony, uh, yeah. he's It's like my most important boy. I say, you know, if you have Tony, if you had kids and America went to war, would you ever? He says, hell no, my kids are never going. We, I go right back to Mexico. I'm like, but Tony, he says that's just the way I feel, you know, I'm, and and it's just a different attitude than what we were used to. I'm, just I'm, I'm thinking right, out loud. it would be really healthy postures. if we could get everybody to feel. Patriotic towards no, their homelands.
5: They, That's no, they do. Yeah. Like, like this idea of Muslims not being as patriotic as other Americans is simply not true. Uh, you I'm have kind of putting words in my mouth. It's not really what I'm saying. But go ahead. Kind of what you're saying. Hey, I can think. I, can no. I just
2: ask you a question? I'm saying you. the ones who are, who are committing these
4: acts. Qatar, yeah. what, what is going on? How is Saudi Arabia uh, lecturing Qatar on financing terrorism? Does anybody finance more terrorism than Saudi Arabia? Like what, is, what is going on? What is, what is that about? Don't talk about Saudi Arabia.
5: I mean, yeah, that's another massive can of worms. Are we about to open that can of worms right now? or? <laughs> yeah, oh, so I, I, I mean, I, the
3: deal is it, it largely comes down to uh, how you perceive uh, the Muslim Brotherhood and its connections in yeah. Qatar, and Qatar's influence in a lot of these uh, post-conflict areas. So after the Arab Spring, Qatar stepped in in a big way. With a lot of money in a lot of different locations, but you know, throughout Libya is one of the big ones, but throughout North Africa, uh, they have been financing a lot of uh, more extreme positions. Saudi so, Arabia
4: finances Al Qaeda. Oh yeah, it's yeah. completely
3: <laughs> hypocritical. But it's also about uh, this nation state. What you're seeing right now is this nation state dynamic coming back into the fold. So we went from the U.S. being the hegemon and sort of being the the global power and setting the agenda, and that's no longer the case. Uh, we've got a lot of different interests out there. And so I don't I, I don't want to go too crazy into the Qatar uh, thing, but, you know, it was a Russian operation that planted the information, which helped push along a Saudi agenda, which then Trump tweeted about, which, you know, further amplified it. <laughs> yeah, he, he took
4: credit for it.
3: it. Oh, yeah, he took credit for it, and they strategically knew this. And I mean, CENTCOM
4: is there. Why would he take...
3: It, We can't ask any questions about why he would do anything because he doesn't even know how government functions or where his people are at around the world. So I'm sure the military leaders were like, oh my God, I cannot believe this just happened. But at the same
4: point... Does this have anything to do with Al Jazeera? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a lot, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: One one of the the uh, 10, you know, the ask for 10 things that Qatar, Qatar will do to go back in a relationship, one of them was to close Al Jazeera. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what this is about is you're seeing nation state conflicts play out uh, based on Russia and their axis and where they're trying to go in the future. So predominantly Iran is one of their allies. Uh, Syria is obviously another one. And they're trying to restate their position. And, And, you know, Russia has predominantly picked the Shia position, but also wants to weaken the American presence throughout the Gulf. And we've played both sides at times. You know, we've got folks in Bahrain. We've got folks in Qatar. Uh, We've obviously backed the Saudis at many different intervals. The only one we've been antagonistic to is both the Syrian regime at times and, and the Iranian government. And so we're seeing a strategic player see the U.S. in a point of weakness and disruption internally in our country, and they see that as an opportunity to start to foment chaos and break up our unions, whether it's the European Union, NATO, now our Gulf alliances, and uh, that's ultimately with, what Cutter's about. Mm-hmm. And sadly, uh, we have not stated any policies moving forward, other than we want to kill ISIS, which I yeah. think everyone's on board with. But beyond that, I can't tell you one U.S. policy in this new administration that I have a real good handle on. Or other in terms administration, actually. Foreign po- and that's what I'm saying about right. well, foreign and, and even Obama was a withdrawal sort yeah. of policy from the Middle East, Um, But we're still trying to keep those connections and, and make people happy. And so as long as we're in this, we don't, if your policy is everything you don't want to happen, you will ultimately only experience things you don't want to happen. You have to pick a policy for the world. And this is what Bush should be credited for, was he actually had a vision for what he wanted. Now, ultimately, it was a disaster and didn't turn out the way he wanted. He wanted to democratize the Middle East. But at least he had an idea of what he was trying to achieve and things lined up under it and you could understand and get behind it. Even, uh, you know, at okay. times I was on parts of it, whether I was in the military or the FBI, I was like, okay, I know what the plan is. Like, we're all moving towards this. So if I don't agree with it, I can at least get behind it and do my job. Right now, I imagine policy people and then people in the military, intel, law enforcement, it doesn't matter where it is, they're like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, what is the direction that we're trying to set out in the world? And we're kind of at a loss. It's a, It's an abyss. And as long as it's an abyss... China, the powers that know what they want, particularly Russia, Russia should be admired for knowing what they want. They know exactly what they want to do. Yeah. Sound like and Trump. Yeah, and they they don't yeah. stop. So they're like, I want to break up every union around the world. I want to undermine every democracy so that I can maneuver and achieve my goals. And they're so far, doing it. So good. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing it. And you cannot criticize them for that because they are saying, this is what I'm going to do. And if you guys want to bicker amongst yourselves, then you just keep doing that. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So. Do- doctor,
0: my, my last question. Smart first. guy, huh, doctor? Oh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that one, uh,
3: don't, don't, don't
0: he talk what's nice. It's your name, what's your <laughs> name? <laughs> by way, schooling and learning. <laughs> uh-huh. It's,
3: it's very, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm following nice? <laughs> Don't he talk nice.
0: Yeah, his name is Hatem.
3: That's right. <laughs> <And laughs>
2: I've been my voice but, the entire time. By, by the way, doctor, so that, yeah, you know, I do voiceover work do, I just too. I want to be very clear, not not because I'm scared of an attack or anything. Just, I Just want to be very clear <laughs> about what I said about Muslims. Um, oh,
0: yeah. That I,
2: I, I am not <laughs> at all saying that Muslims are less patriotic than than. But uh, no, Americans. That, that's what I mean. I'm, I
0: know you. You are. But I'm saying I, for people let let that me listen.
2: Finish. What Let's I'm something. saying is that I oh, think I that in general we've moved, and I've said this, we've moved from a melting pot goal as a society. To uh, 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 celebrating this 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 idea of a mosaic, and mm-hmm. I think the idea of a mosaic is fundamentally flawed. I don't think it works in Canada where they're all white and uh, Christian, but they you know they divide where the French want to secede from the English speakers. It certainly didn't work in Yugoslavia. It doesn't work in Syria. It do, It just doesn't work. And to the extent that we could get back to trying to get everybody to to respect the idea of a melting pot and work towards really kind of shedding as much as they can their allegiances to their previous nationality and 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 really adopting a pure allegiance to their current nationality maybe that would help alleviate some of this i'm just you know searching for answers i don't know
3: i'm just i'm going to tell you right now i'm going to steal that from gnome
2: all right all right
3: yeah melting pot to mosaic that's the title of an article i told him about it who's the original source of this uh, uh, me no i think no i'm gonna say no i am going to be like i'll put it as a quote go ahead
5: no i think i think that the thing that we need to we need to foster and unite around is this idea of a, of a civic nation. Like you can be, you can be any race, religion, or ethnicity, but like, what makes us all uniquely American is the values that are instilled in the constitution. Like that's what makes America different. And that's what makes America great. This idea that you have liberty, you have equality, you have freedom of speech, all of these things are sacred. Like these things are really sacred. You don't find them in other parts of the world. So we need to find a way to channel those values. And no, I'm going back to what you were saying earlier about creating these kind of civic programs to bring new migrants or new immigrants into this idea of like, this is what it means to be an American. You know, like it's not about being white or Christian or this or that. It's about your political values. And then back to my friend here who was talking about, uh, U.S. foreign policy. Clint. Clint. Uh, Clint. Yes, yes. Modi. Clint, uh, great, uh, <laughs> Modi totally and Hatem. No, totally I totally what you're saying. saying. And, you know, just to make a quick reference to um, President Trump's uh, arms deal with Saudi Arabia. It's one of those things that you really scratch your head and you, you, you kind of wonder if, if people in power, and this is going back to Clinton, what you were saying, if they actually have a plan. Like, what, what is going on? You know, S- Saudi Arabia, to be honest, my friends, is not, is not a country that aligns with our values. They're not. And even worse than that, they've done some dodgy stuff over the, over the last couple of years. And I, f- and I feel like Donald Trump misses this kind of network between Saudi Arabia, this fundamental strand of Islam, which a lot of scholars are calling Wahhabism, and all of this, these indoctrination schools and madrasas around the world, like to fund and give arms to Saudi Arabia is is hugely problematic, in in, in my opinion. The, the, I, I
0: this, this deal was from Obama's time, though. Um, he, he stopped it, and then, uh, you know, at the, but Obama was the one who negotiated the whole thing. Um, all right, Doctor, my last question, can, Isla- can we use Islamophobia? And I'm saying use, like Jews used anti-Semitic, and gain actually stuff with it? Like businesses, and can we do that?
5: (laughs) The media. (laughs) The media, and
0: uh, you know, everything else.
5: We need to be careful with how we define Islamophobia. Yeah. Um, I think every religion or any idea should be open to criticism. So just because you criticize the Quran or you criticize Islam doesn't mean you're Islamophobic. Yeah. But there are certain credentials which, which make something Islamophobic. If you start treating Islam as a monolith, or if you start suggesting that all Muslims believe in one thing mm-hmm. uh, or act the same way, that's that's problematic. So I do think Islamophobia should be used uh, in terms of promoting civil rights in this country and making sure that you know all these Muslims in this country aren't uh, lumped into the same uh, into the same category and. There two
4: billion. There's two billion Muslims worldwide. Is that right? About two billion Muslims. Yeah, 1.8. Yeah. And one, and what percentage of that would you say are terrorists? One one hundredth of one percent?
3: We used to use that? the one uh, uh, yeah. percent whenever we set it up. It's, so uh, I, I remember yeah. it was one uh, percent are you know open to the idea. One percent of them are radicalizing towards the path, and then one percent of that is violent. You know, we we would sort of break it out. So. You know the numbers are really small, but, but small percentage. Show.
1: Yeah, but, but big it means numbers. Nuts. Yeah, it can be big
3: numbers. Yeah, but
1: you need seven guys to blow up the
2: the, the twin towers. You, Five. you don't.
1: You don't need. You don't. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, but I'm I, saying it has nothing to do with Islam. one. of a hundred yeah. million but is a million. One percent of a billion is ten million. But these yeah, people but there aren't 10 uh, but I, million. That's but that's my point. Yeah, next not? week, ten I'm million 1%. people that's open to terrorism.
4: But it's not one it percent. A but lot. That's I, the whole I would, thing.
2: I, I let's, say, let's
0: say that's ten times too much. Let's but, say it's point one percent. But that's the whole million. thing. No, is like you think that's the difference. You think they're Muslims. You're Muslim, so proud of your you, that you figured I think that it's out. a lot of people. You think they're Muslims, and we
3: think that they're not. That's the difference.
0: He told me that. <laughs> well, I mean,
3: in terms of <laughs> violence, and I would tell you to use yeah. the same formula, even for white supremacists, for example. We, you're going to see this pop up, and America's not going to like it, but. We've got a problem right now. I, I think in the anti-government white supremacist community, yep. yeah. uh, I, I mean, I've not seen rallies uh, show up in the U.S. Uh, on this scale any time in my lifetime. I've not seen the kind of violence. It's, it's one-offs. You know, we, we usually call them by three names. You know, whenever they do an attack with, like, it's John Bob you know, Smith, <laughs> yeah. you know, committed random attack against a police officer, you know, in such and such a location. Um, but if they start organizing in cells the way we've seen, you know, other terrorists, it, w- it will change the dynamic uh, dramatically. And I've never seen this sort of mobilization and inspiration in their communities. You know, Richard Spencer, if you haven't read it, the article by Graham Wood, uh, who's one of the best writers that's out there right now, you know, documented he had grown up with this guy, Richard Spencer, who did the Charlottesville, Virginia Uh, rally not long ago. Uh, The fourth line, by the way, that they chanted, I think, was Russia is our friend, which is an interesting dynamic uh, that came out of that. Can't imagine in my days growing up that you would say Russia is our Soviet Union at the time is our friend. And so we've got a weird dynamic playing. And these guys, you know, what we always say about domestic uh, terrorists versus international terrorists is that. Domestic terrorists have tons of capability, but no motivation. They tend to get lazy. You know, they won't actually pull off the attack, Oklahoma City being one example. But in general, they won't do that. Whereas international terrorists have tons of motivation and intent, but very low capability when they come to the states. I feel like it's sort of coming together now and we're we're seeing a rebound. That's
1: his next lecture. Look at him. That's his next lecture. (laughs) uh, He's like, that that sounds good. I'm (laughs) When they come come in Monday, in the last eight
4: years, uh, gun ownership has gone down, but gun sales have gone up.
3: Go ahead, Doctor. Would you
4: think that's Uh, directly uh, responsible?
3: I don't know. I don't I don't think it necessarily has to do with guns. I mean, there's something going on in our country and, and it goes that's why I like Noam's comment about mosaic is that we have a partitioning around either political views, race views, ethnic views that I didn't experience, you know, when I was younger. And so uh, it's different. Uh, and and I don't think it's good. And part of it is because of I would tell you our political system, one being gerrymandering. We have now built out districts which are homogeneous. There's only a few districts in America that are even competitive. Um, The other one, I think, is that we've looked at rich versus poor. You know, we have gated communities in places that I grew up that I just never saw that when I was a kid. we were much more integrated, whether you're, you know, low, middle, high income. And I, I think the other part is the race, race, religion issues are much more partitioned. And no more draft. Yeah, and, and we don't have this sort of mixing that goes on in the same way that we sort of brought up, uh, you know, when I, I, I grew up. It's I, just not quite I, the same. I wanted
2: to say, just before you go, to, to amplify what Clint was talking about, if, if we do see a lot of domestic white supremacy terrorism, or even a, a small number, you see where, where uh, with some regularity, white people are going in and blowing up. Or uh, stabbing a lot of people in a, in black functions, churches, and whatever, you're going to see black people being wary about white people coming into their churches, and people are not going to be calling them bigots or Caucasian phobias, whatever. Whatever you're, people are going to say, well, I I, I kind of understand why they're nervous. I mean, there's been a lot of white people coming into the black church, and and of course they're nervous about it, and that's. I mean, I have to be honest, that's what bothers me about some of, this, some of this, I just think, a little PC. If you change the color and you change the religions, you would see people being a lot more understanding of certain reactions that they refuse to be understanding of now. Like, we would be like way more ready to defend the black community if they became nervous about white people based on a bunch of violence than we are ready to, to try to understand that someone who's nervous about the Islamic community is not necessarily a bigot. They're just nervous. They don't want to see their kids blown up in a concert. You don't
0: want them to get into a church versus you don't want them to come into a country being a refugee. I'm just saying that that, that you you, you, you suppress a lot of conversation by making people afraid that they're going to
2: be called bigoted. And a lot of that conversation, you don't change their minds. They just pretend to agree with you and then they go on their merry way and they vote for Trump.
5: I think I think the problem is that we associate the the greatest threat to American society as people who belong to the Muslim faith, and it's just not true. No, it's just, it's, it's a big threat.
4: Although I will yeah, say, if you're
5: in your just, temple it's or church threat, and a it's bunch of Islam come threat. in,
2: no, there's there, no. Listen, doctor, there. we we have to let you go. Maybe we can have him on. I mean, I, if you've enjoyed this, maybe have him on again next week or something. I mean, we we
5: you're. I'm more than happy. Like this yeah. is a good this is a yeah. good conversation. It's yeah. a healthy conversation. I think. Uh, you know, I hope that we're we're getting somewhere. You know, but I I think uh, you know going with what what Clint was saying and what everyone's saying. You know, I think we're we're wrestling with the right the right points and the right ideas here. Yeah. So. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Would you like to share your contact? And definitely, we'll we'll have you again soon. Your uh, Twitter, you like your Twitter, Twitter, Twitter account, account,
5: or account or yeah, my, my Twitter is uh, at Craig C R A I G uh, Cons C O N S. Uh, and then I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I, I, and
0: you have a book coming?
5: Uh, what's that?
0: You have a book coming, correct?
5: I have a book, yeah. In, uh, it's called Islam, Race, and Pluralism uh, in the Pakistani Diaspora. So I went into Muslim communities in Dublin, Ireland, and Boston, uh, carried out a bunch of interviews, and basically immersed myself in these communities. And... Uh, I got that book coming out and then I'm, this summer I'm working on another book. It's called Muslims in America Examining the Facts. So that's why this, this uh, conversation we had tonight was so interesting because I've been reading up on some hard facts, some real data and some numbers uh, behind some of these pressing issues that we're talking about with Muslims in America, like are refugees really posing a threat? Uh, do Muslims commit the most amount of terrorist attacks in the United States and so on and so forth? So. Maybe that's something that uh, we can talk about in the future as well. Come to New York. Come come meet
2: us in person someday. I'd love
5: to. I'd love to. I'm from Boston. I'm not too far away. Don't hate me for that. Uh, <laughs> Yankees <laughs> suck, but it's all good, guys. I love <laughs> you guys. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much, man. Thank you. <laughs> you, Thank you. you. Goodbye. Thank good you. Night. Thank you very much. Um, uh, before we're done, we have to talk about your girlfriend.
3: Uh, <laughs> all, I think Clint oh, needs oh, to you. go. I, I, I'm it.
2: sending Clint like, I need to get the hell out of here. I had enough of this. No, uh, uh, he's
0: done. Clint's oh, yeah, yeah. done.
2: No, there's there something going on. Who are going. you talking about? I don't know yeah. what
0: you're talking about. Well, we need to know. what's. Co- <laughs> she was scared to come up because what? she thought that we are going to talk about no, her. No, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> so, Clint, thank but you so much. he's on tonight. <laughs> Why don't you go see, his, Would you you see like him? Would you like to share your uh, Twitter feed and stuff?
3: Uh, at Selected Wisdom uh, is my Twitter account. Yeah. And then... And tomorrow you're going to be
0: all day on TV. you watch watch be on MSNBC, exactly. NBC, whatever tomorrow. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Modi?
1: Uh... Modi Live on Facebook and Modi underscore live on uh, Instagram. All
4: right. Tony. Like, like I just uh, I'm on Grinder. at. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> 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 just uh, Tony Darrow at uh, Twitter, I guess, or Facebook. T O N Y D A R O. And just, uh, I really would like to speak to you again after the next big terrorist attack. When is that, Hottam? Uh, well, <laughs>
0: Friday the 27th okay. And live from dot com. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you. No,
0: I'm already gave up.
1: No, I'm done. Comedy done. Seller dot com. <laughs> <seller.com.
0: laughs>
2: you were listening to Live From America Podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com from Podcast dot com. Brought to you by the Comedy Seller and Rethink Production.